What's up, wrestling fans, trading card collectors? Welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Cards, the podcast. I'm your host, Zan Morning. You can check me out on social platforms at Zan Morning. If you need the help with that, links in the show notes. Today's episode is part one of my interview with the wrestling card king, Rob England. I had mentioned before, when I first started doing these interviews for my YouTube channel, David Peck was top of the list. He's the first guy I gotta get. Well, Rob England was not too far behind him. How could I not interview the other half of the Mega Powers? If you're unfamiliar with me making the statement of the Mega Powers, no, I'm not talking about Hulk Hogan. No, I'm not talking about Macho Man. Head over to my YouTube channel. Check out the video titled, Are Wrestling Cards Worth Anything? I got a very good response from this video. Tons of fun doing it. Shout out once again to David Peck and Rob England for giving me the green light to do that video. As you will hear in today's episode, Rob is one of the OGs in the wrestling card grading space, especially when it comes to the high-end stuff. We talk about how Rob got into the hobby, why he started collecting wrestling cards, amateur wrestling cards, and much more. If you like what you're hearing today, please subscribe, leave a review on whatever popular podcast platform you're listening to this on, and let's just go ahead and jump right into the interview. Part one with wrestling card king, Rob England. Rob England, wrestling card king. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. So for anybody new to wrestling cards, that they, they might know David Peck, but they don't know you, and you may have the bigger collection than David at this point. Just give a brief introduction to your, of yourself. Yeah, so I'm Rob England, and I'm Wrestling Card King, and I've been collecting wrestling cards on eBay since 1999. So my sign-in date was January 20, 22nd, 1999, and that's when I... You would have your email address be your eBay user Username. ID, and I've been at it pretty much daily for a couple decades now, which is pretty crazy to think about. You've got the uh, login date down. That means you are diehard. You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you started collecting in the first place, just going all the way back? So I, I collected cards as a kid. I remember buying 1983 baseball packs. And really, my love of baseball came from the 1982 World Series. I come from a really rural part of California, up near the Oregon border. And my hometown had a 1,000 people in it. And we had two Major League Baseball players. And one was Dane Orge. And he played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he was in the World Series. And just to see a local kid you know, on that stage at that time was just amazing. And just my love of sports really generated from there. And, you know, I, I enjoy football, basketball, and I come from a wrestling family as far as amateur wrestling. Right. Bunch of cousins that were, were good wrestlers here locally. And um, I was a part of that team eventually. And we're a real successful local high school team where we won 13 league titles in a row. And... Yeah, I would say it just all started there. I've just always been involved in sports. So before we jump into the wrestling, do you currently collect any non-wrestling stuff? I really don't. And I do that just because, I don't know, I, I just want to be the best, right? And I, I really can't compete with, you know, the deep pockets of those basketball collectors, baseball collectors, football and 
And so when I went, you know, into collecting in 99 and eBay, especially into wrestling, I just said, you know what, this is a something kind of unique. And at the time, you know, I was thinking that I could collect them all and right. it wouldn't be that hard. And then, you know, with the internet, it just brought so much information as far as, you know, even if I was to collect all the, let's say, amateur wrestling cards, that that really wasn't even possible either when I realized that there was things from Germany and Italy and Sweden and all of that. So I'm guessing, too, if you're ignoring other things outside of wrestling, it's kind of helping you like laser focus and on more obscure things within the lane that you're in as opposed to being like me sometimes i get to like i'm over here and i'm over here i'm doing this this and this so i'm sure that's helped you build a better collection so once you decided you wanted to go into wrestling cards like what what i guess went through your mind when you were like okay i am all in on wrestling i went in all in initially and again and some of that was just ignorance and not knowing <laughs> that it was going to be as big as what it would you know turn out to be you know, but back then, you know, if you figure 1999, it was a really, really different time as far as information and how you would access it. Right. You know, that was really at the early stages of the internet. So, you know, for someone like myself, I, I got an education real quickly. So on, I want to talk about just real quick, your amateur wrestling cards. That's something that even people within wrestling card space, they don't understand or don't know they exist. So how did you find out about those and where, when did you start buying them? How did you start going down that rabbit hole? So actually in 1983, uh, my mom had bought me a box of cereal. And in that box of cereal was the greatest Olympians trading cards. And you would get one per box. And I just so happened in the box of cereal that my mom got me was Dan Gable. Awesome. And Dan Gable is, you know, just, you know, a phenomenal ambassador for amateur wrestling. And I got that and I was really hooked and I didn't really even know anything else other than that card. And that was something in my personal collection for a long time. I actually ended up trading it to one of my buddies just to complete a deal because we were at a stalemate and I gave it up thinking that I could just get it back later. And he, he was real stubborn about it. He didn't um, trade it back to me. And, you know, he ended up going to the military and all that. And that's actually what got me to eBay is that I needed to, to go back and get that card. That's and, an interesting story that, uh, you know, a hard trade all of a sudden leads to eBay and then look where you are now. Crazy. Yeah. So it was pretty phenomenal. And he actually gave it back to me at one point, but he held on to it for a good decade and just to torment me, I think. But so I'm sure everybody, I, I know a little bit, but even I'm not an expert. And I know a lot of people out there, like I said, didn't even know they existed. What's the market like for these? And where do you see kind of the future going for the amateur and Olympic wrestling cards? Yeah, so some of the hardcore collectors, I think they got most of what they needed. So as far as the relationships that I built on eBay, but I have noticed that there are starting um, to have some new collectors into amateur wrestling as well. And of course, I, I would say one of the good things is, is when you get those crossover stars and the early, yeah. you know, Kurt Angles and the Brock Lesnar's and 
and now with just everyone getting into pro wrestling cards and just the market that that could create. Do you think there's also a potential crossover with MMA being so popular now? Oh, there's definitely some crossover. If you look at a lot of the UFC champions, a lot of them have amateur wrestling backgrounds. And I recently in the last year found out that there was an Olympic wrestling set from 2004 that was released by, I believe it was like USA Wrestling or The Mat. And one of the cards in there is a Daniel Cormier. Awesome. Which, so you would have a Daniel Cormier 2004 rookie card, which awesome. is really amazing as far as his impact on the world of mixed martial arts. Right. Um, so this is a little bit of a, this is a question could go on forever. Uh, you've, you've got quite the collection built up, but it's also seems to be a lot of it high end. So talk about just kind of your relationship as in your head as you walk through balancing collector, investor, when to buy, when to sell, and just kind of the thing you and David both had eyes on certain things, no matter whether it was popular or not, all of a sudden now you guys own some of the biggest wrestling cards in the hobby. So I know that's a little long-winded, a lot to unpack there, but just break that down for us if you can. Yeah, I, I would say that my interest in collecting was just collecting, to be honest. And sometimes, you know, to, to pull, and I'll go back to amateur wrestling cards, just to get one amateur wrestling card, you might have to buy a whole lot of cards that may include gymnasts or, you know, some Olympic boxers and all that. And mm -hmm. so I somewhat got directed into just selling just by getting stuff that I wasn't interested in at all. But all of it was about my personal collection, you know, for, for most of it. And I don't even know where the turning point was for me is where I could see that, you know, I, I could pick up some good deals, flip some cards and help fuel my collection. And I really do consider myself to be a, a collector at heart still. And even though, you know, people may see Wrestling Card King, you know, floating out some cards on eBay here and there. So what, I guess, made you decide to start picking up the multiple copies? Now, that's a common place now in, well, even wrestling cards, but also like modern sports. You know, we see a Luca or Zion and somebody's got like 30 of them or more in, you know, the highest grade PSA slabs they can get. Uh, did you, were you one of those collectors that just wanted as many as of, of a certain guy as possible? Or did you see a future in any specific card? No, I, I was never really good at that, to be honest, as far as getting multiple of a copy and just keeping it. And for example, at one time I had 30 something Andre the Giant 1974 Yamakatsu cards. And most of them were, you know, PSA six, right around that range. And I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be my hoard and this is gonna be, you know, a future investment. But to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of interest and those in that grade, of course, today is completely different. Right. And so when I was, you know, trading other collectors, you know, I eventually brought those out and, and utilized those as part of my trades to, to get some other stuff, new stuff for my collection. I, I would say really, as far as getting multiple PSA graded cards, that, that, that's been pretty recent for me, I would say. I have, of course, multiple RAWs all over in my collection, and that's never been a problem. But as far as 
high-end PSA grades, me holding multiple copies. That's something that I've had to work on as a collector. So, I'm not getting bored with, you know, 10 of the same card. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask. Um, are you, is this something you've started actually collecting? Like once you got into owning 10 of the same card, you're like, wow, this is kind of cool. Or are you kind of like keeping a cycle of those going in and out as far as buying and selling? A, a little bit of both, you know, and I, I look at all the opportunities that I could have had to, you know, have a 1982 wrestling all-stars Hulk Hogan and, you know, of course, at one point, you know, if you got rid of one of those, it would bring, you know, good money and it could pay for things. But now I just look at it and, and see that this is such an iconic card. You know, if I happen to get this in my collection, I'm just going to keep it from this point forward. And, and probably a lot of the multiple copies will be the iconic rookie cards, but not necessarily, you know, middle of their career type cards. And speaking of that, is there any like new product that you are kind of looking at? Not not like uh, trying to be sneaky on plays or anything, but just stuff you generally like that you're buying to add to your collection. So people probably know if they follow me on Twitter that I jumped into the 1997 Panini stickers. Yep. And I ended up buying a few cases of those and, you know, got my Rocky Maivia's graded. And I have more in the pipeline, but I just thought they were super cool that an issue from 24 years ago wasn't known by myself, which I considered to be a you know pretty big deal, or David Peck and Anthony Havlovic with Husker Haves didn't know their existence. And there was this warehouse find. And so I really like the the story behind that and as far as the the brand of panini the the copyright on the back yeah. the card number on the back so i thought it was a really neat chance and i i you know you can't go wrong with the rock and having that in your collection moving forward he's just such americana and then to have things like the first appearance really of stone cold and the wwf and Triple H. So that's where I was going to go next. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, so I, I just feel like there there's a really good opportunity there, and just with the, you know, they're not necessary. They call them stickers, which I I know that the whole point is to put them into an album, but they don't peel, so you're to add an adhesive to it to put it into the album. Oh, that's so, interesting. I've never actually tried to do that, so that's news to me. I'd... Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, and then too, I think that you know, The Rock could kind of, in my opinion, follow the success of the Mike Tyson a decade yeah. earlier. And to me, it's like, why not? You know, if this Tyson sticker is going berserk, and of course, population reports matter. Right. But, you know, they're, they're both, you know, cultural icons, you know, for their respective eras. And if the Mike Tyson sticker can do it, you know, Dwayne Johnson can too. So you brought something to my attention just now talking about kind of obscure releases. Uh, no, you and you and David, you guys are like diehard PSA. Um, have you had problems with them grading certain things? Like what's your experience that with them as far as like obscure stuff that may help others if they find something in their collection? Yeah, I, I've had to work with PSA on some of the issues. For example, I did an express order for the Rocky Maivia 1997 stickers and I received the email from them that said no spec info. 
And that brought me into a little bit of hysteria because I was afraid that they're going to ship them back to me. And I was going to lose all that process of them logging the order because I didn't include anything else. And I was able to put a hold on it. And I had previously emailed them the entire album as backup, as proof of a complete checklist. And once they were able to look at the complete album, then I was able to proceed in getting these graded. So I was really happy that I was able to to do that because I know now collectors are gonna be sending in those same stickers moving forward. And I've had a history of doing that for multiple issues. You know, the 1981 Poppy with the Hulk Hogan, I was able to provide enough information for PSA to grade those and you know, numerous other issues throughout the years too. So is PSA pretty easy to work with on that stuff or are they kind of like our way or the highway? Since I've, I've sent in subs, but I've, it's always been stuff that's, you know, they have cataloged or maybe you or David or somebody else kind of did the groundwork for me to send those in. So what's, how are they to deal with on that kind of stuff? It could be a little both, you know, to, to, to be honest, you know, you need some reputable sources as far as background information. And I totally get it that you want to be sure before you start slabbing things as, you know, licensed product and, and knowing a complete checklist and not being, you know, taken by surprise. So, you know, it just takes a little bit of work. But, you know, if you could get a complete checklist, get a year and a ma- manufacturer, you could eventually get it done. And sometimes I have the energy for it and sometimes I don't. I hope you guys enjoyed our chat today with wrestling card king Rob England. Make sure to tune in to next week's episode for part two of this interview. Check the show notes for all the ways that you can help show your support for my content and keep these shows going on a consistent basis. Links below to all of the different content I'm putting out, YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that while you're at it. Also, check out the archives of this podcast. A lot of great information out there. I preach this all the time. Let's get more wrestling fans into wrestling cards. They're already spending a ton of money on all the rest of the wrestling merchandise out there. Why not wrestling cards? Most importantly, thank every one of you for listening to this episode today and all of your continued support. But don't forget, keep collecting, keep having fun. We'll see you next time.